Hey, hey, everyone. This is Coach Tall Guy coming at you with another episode of Coach Talk. Hey, in this episode, I'm just going to dive right into defense, okay? So I'm going to go through some defensive principles, and then I'm going to talk about the first, second, and third defender's roles. So starting with defensive principles, we want to make sure that when we're working with our players, that when we're talking like big team stuff, that we're talking about just in general being compact defensively. So what I mean by compact is we want to make sure that our players are stopping the ball and then once that ball is slowed down or getting stopped that we're getting numbers back and behind the ball but we want our players all connected and making the field smaller. So I want you to think of like something like uh, you a trash compactor. So when you put put it in there it's it's kind of big And then all of a sudden the compactor comes in and it makes everything tighter and smaller. So that's what we're doing on the soccer field. We're just closing down all that space in behind the ball. And really we're giving up some space on the outsides, but the outsides is kind of where we want to force players to, because it's going to take them farther away from our goal. We don't want to have our team so stretched that we're giving up all these different passing lanes and opening up the middle of the field. Because if we are letting players just get down the middle of the field, they're going to have a much better opportunity of scoring on goal because they're closer to the goal. If we can really get that middle addressed and get compact in there, force that ball wide, it takes those teams farther away from the goal. So that's the main principle is this compactness, just making the field smaller, closing off all those passing lanes. Uh, Another big principle of defense is that transitional piece so when we lose the ball if we can quickly transition back on d get numbers behind the ball our success of playing defense is much better and that that's a hard one because it really is kind of a fitness slash effort thing um, an understanding and it can't be done real well if we still don't have that that first defender doing their job which is to slow down the ball and stop it so compactness and then the quick transition to defense getting those numbers behind the ball those are the two biggest you know principles of defending now for you guys as recreational coaches i'm not getting into like a huge like talk on zonal defending those are some big concepts for later down the role versus man-to-man defending things like that pressing those are other defensive concepts but those are kind of for higher levels so we're just gonna kind of cruise by those um the role of the first defender so one thing you can be coaching and teaching particularly at the at the younger ages and in recreational soccer is still the role of the first second and third defender so the role of the first defender is to immediately pressure the ball to slow it down from coming down the field or to flat out stop the ball we want to stop that penetration and by immediately getting pressure it gives us time now to get players behind the ball. That's that transition D piece, but we've gotta be able to stop the ball quickly. And once we're able to stop the ball quickly, it gives the rest of the team time to get behind the ball. So that's really the main role of the first defender is to stop penetration to immediately apply pressure. Now the role of the second defender is to provide cover. And what I mean by cover is they need to be in a position to help that first defender. So if that first defender is beat, The second defender now has a good distance, all right? They position themselves where? Well, so that now they can help or cover that first defender, okay? 
So when the first defender gets beat, now the second defender steps up, they become the new first defender. Now, if the second defender isn't, isn't in good positioning, so maybe they're too far away from the first defender or they're too high, um, they haven't sagged off a little bit, well, then they're in no good position to help the first defender if they get beat. They're not providing any sort of cover, okay? Um, many times you'll see this, they get caught like too flat or too far from the first defender. Now, the role of the third defender is just to provide that balance on the field. So sometimes what I see is like third defenders, they don't quite understand their role. So they're not really moving with the soccer ball defensively. They, they might think, well, I'm an outside back. The ball's on the other side of the field. I need to stay on the outside. And that's just not the case. They need to be sliding, moving with the ball and making the field compact. And so they're providing that balance. They don't want to be too far from the, the second defender, okay? So if the ball is on one side of the field, we want to make sure the opposite outside back, outside midfielders are all dropping back but sliding over to the middle of the field. Again, we want to make sure that we're keeping that compactness. If they just stay wide, then we're leaving big open gaps in the middle of the field for teams to play those penetrating passes into and for runners to run into. So to reiterate, the goal of the first defender, the job of the first defender is to apply pressure and to stop the ball. The role of the second defender is to provide that cover. So they need to make sure that they are, you know, behind the ball, behind the first defender a little bit, and that they're within enough distance to help that first defender. And then the role of the third defender is to provide that balance. So they need to be, again, behind the second defender or at least even with the second defender, but sliding over and making that field compact. All right. So as you're going through some of your games, I would encourage you guys just to sort of talk through these concepts. Um, the one I see the most often is rec is just getting players to understand, like, if I'm the person closest to the ball, I should be the only one going to the ball and pressuring everybody else should be getting behind the ball looking to play their role as second or third defender so really just focus for now on the rec side particularly coaching up that first defender piece can you get kids to understand that i'm the closest to the ball one of the things i ask a lot of players to do is if you're closest to the ball just say i got ball i got ball i got ball that kind of signals to everybody on the field that you're going to be the one to pressure and that you're going to stop the ball and then everybody else hears that as a player and says, okay, well, I'm just going to drop back. They've already got the, the ball pressure. Because what we see in rec soccer is so many times we have two or three people going to the same dribbler and then get away with it a little bit in rec because they don't know how to, the other team doesn't know how to spread out very well. They don't know how to open up the field. But as you get to higher levels and you play against better players, if you got three people going to one ball, and that means two people are going to be open, all right? So we want to just really reiterate that, hey, whoever is closest to the ball should be the one immediately pressuring it. So a lot of times in, in the practices or in scrimmages, as I'm coaching, I'll say, one of you to the ball, one of you to the ball, one of you to the ball. Now, then I'll build and say, okay, whoever's closest, I want you to say, I got ball, I got ball, I got ball. And then that, again, that starts to send that signal to everybody who the first defender is. Because with the young ages, they're a little confused. You have a few kids who just, they want to go to the ball the whole time. 
And we start to get a lot of that, you know, bunching up type of stuff because they just don't understand the principles yet. So things you can do in practice, a lot of 1v1 activities, okay? Um, you can do things like 2v1s, 2v2s with a, a, a line where, you know, players can't go necessarily go across that line. So you're creating this sort of shifting, this 1v1 stuff. Um, Small-sided games, you can really coach the defensive principles. So like 3v3 games are awesome. 2v2 games are awesome. Those you can really kind of dive in with players and help them understand their role on the field. Uh, Those small-sided games can be good for also just teaching that uh, transitional piece as well. And as they get older, there's a, a variety of activities that you can use. But I think for you guys as rec coaches, I just want you out of this podcast to understand those defensive concepts that are big and the first, second, and third defenders' roles on the field. And then really for now, just focus on that first defender stopping the ball and just having one of them go to the ball, not the whole team going to the ball. And I think that that's a great start for you guys. Anyways, I hope this helps you. I'll be excited to hear you guys out on the soccer field using some of that soccer terminology, asking players to stop the ball. Um, I loved hearing coaches out there. I'm starting to hear some coaches out there. Yeah, one of you to the ball, one of you to the ball, the rest of you spread out, the rest of you get behind the ball. Um, those, Those will help those players a lot. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Hey there, everyone. This is Coach Tall Guy coming at you with another episode of Coach Talk. I hope everyone is doing well today. This uh, Coach Talk is really going to focus on you coaches who are uh, coaching kids ages like three to eight. I'm going to go through a coaching method called guided discovery. All right. Now, I use the guided discovery method a lot um, because I want the kids to not only have some fun, but I wanna engage their minds and get them to start thinking for themselves versus me as a coach always kind of telling them how to do it, what to do, when to do it. I want them to kind of start solving problems on their own. I want them to get a good feel for the soccer ball. So this guided discovery method really helps those players at a young age kind of activate their minds so they're kind of thinking for themselves versus the coach being the one to think for them. So one of the things I do with guided discovery is I use this terminology a lot. Show me, how did that feel? How fast can you do that? Where can you go? Like I'm really kind of guiding them and questioning them versus giving them the solution or telling them how to do it. And it's really kind of cool for kids because if you had listened to my last podcast about kind of engaging their imagination this is a fun way for the child to like oh i'm not being told i'm actually being asked to explore something and and let's be honest like young kids they love to explore they want to try things out they want to try to kind of figure it out for themselves and you know (laughs) you hear that thing like oh that was a really big girl thing to do or really big boy thing to do they're on that cusp of like they want to be able to do some things on their own a little bit. And so this guided discovery method really gives them that opportunity. So as an example, like if I'm working with young players and I'm going to work on the technique of dribbling, there's a lot of times you'll hear me saying to young players like, hey, boys, girls, we're going to start moving that soccer ball. 
Can you guys maybe show me how many different parts of your foot you can use to move the ball? And then I let them go and I let, this is now their time. It's their time to explore. They have to look at their feet. They have to think about, well, what parts of my foot? Coach wanted me to see how many parts of my foot I could use. And naturally, by saying that, you're gonna see the player start to explore the outside of their foot, the inside of their foot, the bottom of their foot. Some players are gonna use their toes and heels. I always find it really funny when they start dribbling backwards with their heels. But it, it, it's engaging their mind, it's engaging their body, and they're also getting a feel for the ball on different parts of their foot. And I'm gonna take a second here to talk about the feel. So when I use that word feel, for me, that activates as a coach. I am looking now to activate within the player that kinesthetic learning piece. So there's gonna be opportunities when you're coaching, right? And you're demonstrating and you're showing them and that's awesome and that's good, that's powerful because the majority of kids at young ages are visual learners. You've also explained to them some certain things and hopefully you're using those coaching cues so you're activating that auditory piece and kids learn by hearing as well. But I think one of the things we forget to talk about is, is the feel piece. So they're getting a lot of opportunities when they're moving to feel, feel the ball at their foot. But now as a coach, we might be, want to ask them something. So, hey, hey, who, who used the outside of their foot? Oh, I did. Who used the inside of their foot? Who used the bottom of their foot? And then you can follow up and ask, how did that feel for you? What was easiest? Was it easier to use the inside of your foot? Was it easier to use the outside of your foot? And again, I'm just kind of using that to question the kids so they can kind of be like, well, you know, for me, the inside of the foot was a lot easier or the outside of the foot felt really easy to me. Probably, oh, the sole of the foot was really hard. It was hard to move that ball doing that. And then from there, you can get into some different activities. So maybe they've now explored different parts of your foot and you ask them, Okay, for the next 30 seconds, we're gonna dribble as fast as we can. Ready, set, go. And they start to dribble as fast as they can. And then after that 30 seconds, you bring them in and say, hey, who, who used, what part of your foot did you use? And one kid might say, well, the outside of my foot. One kid might be like the inside of my foot. And then you're like, okay, well, did it, how did it feel? Was it easy, was it hard? Um, did you guys, when you were dribbling, what type of kick did you use? Were you just booming the ball or were you pushing the ball? Were you keeping it close to your foot, you know? And you're, again, you're just kind of engaging their minds versus you saying, hey, when we're dribbling at speed, the only part of our foot we're really gonna use is the majority of the time is the outside of our foot. Sometimes we're gonna use the inside of our foot. But now you, you've let them kind of problem solve for themselves and they might be like, yeah, it was easier for me to use the outside of my foot or it was easiest for me to use the inside of my foot. And then you can also go in and say, okay, hey, this time we're gonna dribble as fast as we can. But I noticed some of you were like really kind of booming the ball too far. Maybe this time let's explore by just trying to push the ball. And, and then you demonstrate, you show them. And then you can ask them, how does push feel to you? You know, is it close, kind of far, you know? So again, you're just using this exploratory method 
to activate and engage the kid's mind without necessarily telling them how it should be done. And what's cool is if you use this method and you instill it in them as they're younger and then hopefully down the road, they are with coaches who understand the power of having kids think for themselves. And then, you know, as a coach, you can build on that and start, you know, kind of talking the tactical part of the game. So as an example, like maybe you're a U8 coach and you're doing a 2v1 activity, okay? So there's gonna be some tactical concepts there. And now versus you saying to a player, for instance, let's say the player made a pass, it got intercepted, picked off by the defender, and the kid's a little frustrated, you might be able to use that as a coachable moment in, in this exploratory method Instead of you saying, hey, that was a that pass got intercepted because your head was down, you didn't see the defender, you didn't see your teammate, maybe you can rephrase that versus you telling the kid, let them take a look and think for themselves a little bit and ask them why. So hey, I noticed that that pass got, got intercepted, you guys, and do you guys see that? Well, why, why do you think that that happened? What do you think? And at first, the kid's probably going to go, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And then say, okay, we'll take a second, you know, think about it. And then they're maybe struggling a little bit. Well, did you see your teammate? No. Did you see the defender? No. Well, what could you do differently to maybe see the defender? And then all of a sudden, you've guided them and they say, oh, I should probably pick my head up when I'm dribbling to see the defender and my teammate. And again, I hope what you're hearing from me is like, yeah, you could tell them why they failed, but it's better if the kid can come to a place of solving their own problems. And that's what's hard is as we, as we get older and older and different coaches have a little bit different style, but I would challenge the coaches is let the players figure out why they're doing well or what mistakes they've made it engages their brains and ultimately they're the ones on the field playing. Too many times we fall into the trap as a coach of like, well, we're gonna be the problem solver for the kids and we're gonna tell them how it's done. And in reality, we wanna make, we want the kids to be able to feel empowered to solve their own problems. So hopefully you guys understand this uh, guided discovery method. I would highly encourage you as coaches, particularly with these young players, to give them opportunities to explore, engage their mind through this method. It's a lot of fun. I think the kids will react real well to it. And it's pretty cool as a coach when you've guided them and then they're the ones who are like, oh yeah, I think if I do it this way. And then you're like, yes, they got it. And I didn't even have to necessarily tell them they're actually thinking the game. And that's a pretty cool feeling as a coach. Hope this, uh, you know, helps uh give it a go let me know some of your feedback if you ever have any topics that you'd like me to talk about feel free to shoot me an email at adamc at edgesoccer.net always looking for ways to connect with you guys as coaches to help you out use some of my experiences uh love to hear some feedback and this is coach tall guy out
Hey everyone, this is Coach Tall Guy coming at you with another episode of Coach Talk. Uh, this episode is going to be for you guys who are coaching those young players, those kids ages three to eight. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about a coaching method called guided discovery. I would really encourage you guys after this uh, podcast to give the guided discovery method a try. Uh, what's cool about the guided discovery method is you're really empowering the player to kind of solve their own problems and you're giving players an opportunity to really explore which then really connects with their kinesthetic learning so i'm just gonna dive right in so young players we have to remember they have these great imaginations and hopefully you listened to my podcast last week on tapping into a child's imagination to get the most out of a practice but let's let's kind of piggyback off of both these so You as a coach, you understand that a child's imagination is powerful. You understand that for young players, the opportunity to explore is really cool and fun for them. And you're going to use this guided discovery method to really kind of get a lot out of your session, but really you're allowing the players to play versus you dictating everything as a coach. So as an example, you might be doing a, a dribbling session and you say to these young players, hey everyone, for the next 30 seconds or minute, I just want you to show me how many different parts of your foot you can use to move the soccer ball. And now, instead of you saying, hey, we're only gonna dribble with the inside or only dribble with the outside, which isn't necessarily bad, you're actually allowing the kid the freedom, that's a big word, the freedom to explore and see kinda, you know, what works best for them. And they have to now kinda think like, Well, coach wants me to see how many different parts of my foot I can use. So now they start to use the inside, the outside. Maybe they're using the sole of their foot. Maybe they're using their toes. And I've seen some kids who look really funny, but they're moving the ball at their heel, which is fantastic. But you're you're giving them that freedom to explore for themselves. And they learn a lot from that exploration. They might learn like, hey, for me, the outside of the foot feels really comfortable. I understand kind of turning my foot to the inside and being able to use my, my little toe to move the ball. Or for other players, they might you know feel like, hey, I, I kind of like the way it feels to roll the ball around with the bottom of my foot. And I think that that's pretty cool for the player because they're gaining a lot of information without you necessarily telling them how it has to be done. And now you can take that and kind of build from there. So you can say, okay, well, you guys, how many of you use this part of your foot? All right, show me, show me, and this is a big one, all right, using that terminology, show me. Then you say something like, okay, show me how fast you can move the ball with just your the outside of your foot. And they start to move the ball. And then you can kind of go in there and say, hey, how did that feel for you guys? Did it feel good? Did it feel awkward? And probably what you're gonna see is like, there were some kids who were sideways on trying to move the ball. And then you can make some coaching corrections from there. But again, you're kind of like letting them explore. You're not necessarily telling them how it's done. If they were dribbling at speed, you might say, hey, did you guys feel like the ball was close to your foot? And some of them might be like, yeah, it was pretty close. Or no, no, I, I mean, I was booming that ball. Um, And then you can bring in some different coaching points from there. So really you're kind of guiding the player. So, you know, if you said something like, hey, when you guys were dribbling fast, 
did you use a lot of little touches? And they'll be like, oh, no, no, no. So then, you, you know, they're under, you're understanding that they know that they got to take a bigger touch to move that ball if they want to dribble fast. Now, if it was a really tight space and you say, okay, I want to see how many, you know, touches you can get in in this tight space. Well, you didn't tell them you have to get 20 or 30 touches, but naturally they start to take quick little touches. And that's great because... We want them to take small, quick touches in a tight space. And again, you haven't told them like, this is why we're doing it per se. You've kind of guided them and then they're figuring it out on their own. And I, I, I like that piece of like letting the player figure some things out for their own. You're just sort of teaching them in a way that you're not solving the problem for them. And I think that's a trap that we fall into so easily as coaches because I see it every Saturday with coaches. Um, if you haven't listened, take a listen to the joystick coaching uh, podcast, but that's it, right? We fall into this nasty habit of coaches where we are the ones solving all the problems and not allowing the players the opportunity to solve some of the problems on their own. And this guided discovery method is, is nice because it allows them that freedom to fail it allows them the freedom to have success. It allows them the freedom to, you know, just get a feel for what works best for them. And I think as coaches, yeah, there are certain solutions to the problem that we as a coach, like that is the right solution. But as I get older, there what's cool about the game of soccer is there's so many different ways to solve problems. And what we have, as they get older, what we have to understand as coaches too is like, every player has different attributes as well. So, you know, as an example, like maybe for me to solve a certain problem, I would pass out of it because I have, as a player, good vision. Now, another player who might be very, very talented on the ball, their solution might be to beat the player. And each solution works, okay? They were just solving it a different way based on who they are as a player, their own player attributes. And sometimes as coaches, we're too hard on players saying, no, it's gotta be this way. And you're telling them exactly what to do every time and not allowing them the freedom to figure it out themselves. And we really, at the end of the day, want players on the field who can solve problems on their own versus just us as coaches dictating everything. And I like that with this guided discovery method, it can also be used as a way for players to solve problems tactically. So I might have a U8 team and maybe we're doing a 2v1 activity that day and maybe we're making the same mistake. And maybe that mistake is our, our head is down. We don't see the defender. We don't see our teammate. So we're making poor passes. The passes are getting picked off. Um, and as a coach, I could easily say, hey guys, pick your head up, see the defender, see your teammate, then you can make a good pass. And nothing, not, that's not necessarily wrong, okay? I solved the problem for them, but maybe if I take some time and rephrase it and just say, hey boys, we keep getting that pass picked off. Why do you think that is? And now you've put the onus on them to actually think about what they're doing all right, and then they eventually will probably get to the point of like, well, you know what? I, I think maybe I, I, I don't have my head up, coach. I'm not seeing the defender. I'm not seeing my teammate. I'm a, and now the players solve the problem versus you as a coach just 
telling them how to solve the problem. And I think there's a lot more power in the player being able to solve the problem than the coach telling them how to solve the problem. And um, there is nothing cooler. I know for me personally as a coach, when I question my players and they come up with the solution, then I'm pumped as a coach because I'm like, man, they're really starting to think the game. All right. Versus me just thinking it for them. And that's really where I want to be as a coach. I want them to think the game. All right. So with practices coming up for a lot of you this weekend, particularly for you guys with the younger age groups, you know, just try that. Try this, you know, exploratory method. Let them explore, guide them. Um, Don't necessarily give them the solution. Use that phrase like show me. Uh, Use phrases like how did that feel? What do you think? Um, versus you always telling them how to do it. And I think it's going to engage the kid's mind. They're going to be very active. They're going to have fun with it. And you will start to see the fruits of like, man, I that activity worked. They figured it out. <laughs> I'm doing a pretty good job as a coach. And that's exciting. Uh, also, coaches, if there's any topics or anything that you would like me to address a little bit, um, feel free to shoot me an email at adamc at edgesoccer.net. Once again, that's adamc at edgesoccer.net. I know there are a lot of things as a volunteer like you may be struggling with or you're unsure of, and that would be a great topic for me to chat about. And I do really appreciate you guys who tune in. I, I hope you're, again, you're finding some of these podcasts helpful for you, just giving you a sense of like, yeah, I'm on the right track or, you know, I didn't think about it that way. I'm, I'm going to give that a shot. And the best thing is if you give it a shot and you fail, no biggie, at least you tried, but you might be surprised too. Like, oh, yeah, that kind of worked. And um, that that's pretty cool. So thanks again for all you volunteers out there. Uh, I know from edges perspective we we just can't do it without you and i'm so thankful for the wonderful community we have appreciate you guys being out there for the kids and this is coach tall guy out